This is ESPN's Aussie Hoops Hour. My name's Kane Pittman and alongside me, Olgan Ulich. And we've just got a little bit extra juice today because the NBL Blitz is in the books. And going by this countdown clock I've got right in front of me, we are just over two days until the NBL regular season gets underway with a throwdown, if you don't mind, Melbourne United and South East Melbourne Phoenix. But I think this is the time of year where... I would say the majority of NBL fans are getting excited about their team. They would have seen significant positives from the Blitz Olgs. You were there. I was extremely jealous that you were there on the Gold Coast. I'm getting all these text messages asking why I'm not there. And it was just making me very sad on the couch. But the basketball was high quality. And it looked like uh, everyone walked away from this Blitz saying that this was a major success. How, how much worse did you feel when after the Blitz, everyone says, everyone said, what a Blitz. What a great Blitz this was. Let's do this again. On the Gold Coast, they want to. Uh, It was an unbelievably enjoyable time out there. Every player sort of scattered around the hotel, around around the arena, um, on Broad Beach. It was a really good time. Uh, We got really, really good like indicators on what these teams are like, good and bad. We've already seen some changes, which is crazy. We usually don't see changes this early. Um, But the cool thing that I walked away from it thinking was, I don't know who's going to win. I have some teams that I think are like my favorites who I think are better built to win. Uh, But I think the parody this year is probably the standout thing that I took from that blitz. Yeah, I certainly walked away from looking at a bunch of these games and and I'm definitely not someone who's going to dive in and say, well, I looked at the blitz and I looked at Melbourne United. They walk away with the trophy and all of a sudden they're the favorites for the title. I don't necessarily think that's the case. We're going to walk through a bunch of observations we had and then probably more importantly, watch points moving forward through the start of the regular season because we did see some coaches experimenting. We saw a bunch of new players that are going to have to get used to the league and the rules and the officiating and their own teammates. So we're going to walk through it all here. The one thing I I would say, though, with these results and you being there, and it is a little bit different when you get a sense for the teams and what they might be feeling good about or what the concerns might be. We've already seen Adelaide. We'll get into them with the change uh, that you referenced. But what team did you walk away feeling the most impressed about? Because I think that's probably a good starting point. I really liked New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, that's considering they went one and two at the Blitz, maybe uh, maybe might not be the most popular opinion. Uh, Maybe not everyone thought as much, but... With the way their team is built, they didn't have Will McDowell White throughout the entire blitz. He has a broken, it's like it's not a, it's not a broken hand, it's not a broken finger. It's like it's like a knuckle, so it's like half and half. Um, he'll be back in a week or two, um, but just the pieces that they have, uh, the depth of that team, the top end talent of that team. I was I was thinking about every team this season. I'm thinking, all right, imagine if Finn Delaney is your fourth best mm. player, right? Going through every other roster, the fourth best player is sort of a little bit lower down in that sort of player tier list. Findelani is your fourth best player. Justinian Jessup is like probably your fifth best player. That is a really good place to be in. If they can guard like they did last year, uh, and it seems like Modi Mayor has them as well drilled as, as you know, we're used to his teams being now, they're a team that I really, really liked. I think they nailed their imports. imports. Parker Jackson Cartwright is really good. Zylan Cheatham is really good. Uh, I, I like their depth. I like their talent. They're, they're the team that I think will finish toward the top again. Well, you've started in the perfect spot because I just said maybe we don't worry too much about the records and your team to watch, as, as you referenced, the team that went one and two. I think if we looked at the breakers last year, even getting into the postseason, they were winning games with defense. 
And they could score, but a lot of it came down to Barry Brown Jr. And sometimes that wasn't necessarily for the best for this offense. But now they've got multiple options, whether it is the outside shooting of Jessup. Uh, Finn Delaney, we've seen, he's going to get it done at uh, this league. And they've got a bucket getter that you wrote about on ESPN.com.au in your observations uh, that you just referenced with the import guard, who might not be the same type of player, a little bit smaller, yeah. Not the same type of player as Barry Brown Jr., but certainly looks like he's the type of guy that could take over a quarter or a half of, of basketball. He is someone who, you know, whenever last season, it was Will McDowell-White, right? He took the majority of the ball-carrying duties. And then it goes to Barry Brown Jr. And, and uh, if you go to all of the play-type data, he was sort of number one in usage, number one in ISOs, number one in on-balls, right? So he, a lot of it was just going through him, and he was just trying to score. Parker Jackson Cartwright is different. He is someone who he'll come off on balls, but he'll break down his man. He'll get in the paint. He'll distribute his ability to get two feet in the paint at any given time is unreal, right? And so when you have Will McDowell White creating for a period of time, and then all of a sudden you just switch to Parker Jackson Cartwright creating, you're just getting really good looks out there. And I think that's the thing that I saw consistently. Shots didn't always fall, uh, but the sets they were running were cool. And just having the ball in Parker Jackson Cartwright's hands, something good happened every time because he was able to create an advantage every single time. Plenty of young players at the Blitz, and we know that, well, certainly for me, I thought that the NBL was in a position over the last year, and, and probably the year before, and COVID certainly heavily impacted that. I saw, I had questions. What's happening with the next stars? Have they got enough guys coming through? Are they now going to be able to compete with the G League, Ignite, Overtime Elite, these college players that now uh, can make some cash on the side? It's like, okay, what's going to happen next for the next stars? This is an absolutely loaded class. I thought it was fascinating to see which one... You suggested uh, was perhaps the the standout in terms of young players at the at the Blitz, and I'll preface it as well by saying this person's not uh, the best prospect, and I had to clear that up. Mm. Uh, this person is not going to be a, a lottery pick this season, I don't think. Uh, but as far as who pro- which prospect produced the most and made the biggest impact for his team, I think it was Lachlan Albridge. Uh, it was weird when I was in Wollongong uh, earlier in the preseason. You walk into the snake pit and someone told you, and you didn't know anything about the NBA or basketball or any of these prospects. If someone asked you, one person in here is a projected first round pick, right? You have AJ Johnson in that gym. <laughs> you would have guessed Lachlan Albridge, right? He is big. He's wider than you think. At 19, he has a really an intense physicality to him. Uh, and we saw how unbelievably skilled he was, not just as like a big who can finish around the rim, uh, who can finish over bigger bodies. He was finishing over and around Rocco Zakarski with ease. Um, but also his creation. He's super skilled. He's bringing the ball up. Uh, they played him as in that Sam Froling role in starting line, in sort of that starting lineup. So it was sort of like Justin Robinson, Tyler Harvey, uh, Wani Swaka Labulak, Lachlan Olbrich, and Gary Clark. And he was coming off those short rolls and creating. He was unbelievably impressive to the point where I didn't think he was a 2024 draft guy i didn't think that was going to be where he is it's not out of the question that he sort of emerges into that that area Uh, that's how impressive he was his ability to make an impact at this level at just 19 was unreal and i was not expecting that it'll be interesting to see the way they use him as well because if you just go through the lineup data and it's such small sample size but he wasn't in uh their top uh, three uh, most use five-man lineup. So we'll see how that expands the longer the regular season goes. And if he continues to score at the efficiency he did at the paint, then I think that he's going to force the hand of Jacob Jacomas. He was, well, he took 22 shots 
through to Blitz. How many did he make? He made plenty. <laughs> made 19. But do you know how many he took at the rim out of those 22? Oh, a lot of them. 20. 20 out of 22. Yeah, wow. He is a player that can shoot the three as well. Yeah. So I don't think that that level of rim frequency is going to be sustainable moving forward and certainly not the efficiency. So he was 18 for 20 at the rim and then <laughs> one for two from his outside shots. That's it. They're the only shots he took. So it'll be interesting to see now. Certainly NBL teams are very well aware of who he is and what he can potentially produce. So I thought he was a standout. If we're talking about big men and next stars, I think it's going to be interesting to see the Perth Wildcats with Alex Saar and Keanu Pinder, and then Melbourne United with Ariel Hook-Porty and Joe Lawala-Chul when he comes back. I think this is a good problem for these coaches to have, but the way that these young players have already started throughout the blitz and, and the talent they've got and the level of comfort they have in the NBL... I think that's going to be asking some questions for how you split up these minutes and how these teams are going to have to work through their rotation. What did you hear or see regarding specifically Alex Saar and Hook Porty? So every NBA team in that building loves Alex Saar. Uh, and it's not just because of his size and his athleticism and his timing. It's also the skill set, the fact that he can do stuff on the perimeter. Uh, they saw that in the NBA G League games. You saw glim- glimpses of it here. Um, now, you saw him go through some teething as well. There was a mm-hmm. game against the Adelaide 36ers where he had some trouble going up against Isaac Humphreys, going up against Kyron Galloway one-on-one, right? These are bigger bodies. These are shot-blocking guys. And so he had some trouble there, but you saw the way he was able to adjust. Um, and I just think his his skill set is something that is just going to stand out over and over and over again whenever we see him play. Um, and I think the Wildcats, it's interesting because they like him to the point where they, they trust his impact now to the point where they went and got a 3-4 as their, their last mm-hmm. import, right? There was a there was a, a line of thinking that you'd, you'd imagine they'd go get like a 4-5, right? But they trust Alex Saar as that backup center, as someone who can maybe play alongside Keanu Pinder. And so they were cool with, with what they've got in the front court. So it's, okay, let's go get a 3-4. They did that uh, by, by getting uh, Doolittle, that, that signing happened today. We're recording this on a Tuesday. The Huckporty ones is interesting too. Uh, I had an NBL player ask me yesterday, is Ariel Hockporty the best center in the league? Mm. And I had to think about it. Uh, I don't think he is. I mean, JLA is on his team, right? And we have reasons he buys. We've seen what Hockporty did and, we, and JLA is injured currently. But if I'm thinking about what big man do I want on my team, which which big man is the most conducive to plugging and playing and being a lob thread and the way he was a rim deterrent as well, there is an argument I'm not saying I'm not saying I agree with it, but there is a legitimate argument that Ariel Hakpoti is the best center in, center in the league. Melbourne United might have the two best centers in the league. The Hook Porty one, and you kind of stole me thunder a little bit. And this is so what happens sorry. when you really so don't prepare sorry. for a podcast. You don't go through a rundown. Sometimes when you really want to throw out a hot take, you, <laughs> it, it gets stolen from you before you get the opportunity. But Hook Porty, I think, is interesting because he's coming off the ruptured Achilles. I want to be conscious of that, and I, I don't want to just set the expectations at just an unlimited level that is unfair for him. Yeah. But I mentioned I wasn't at the Blitz, but I was around Melbourne United a little bit and spoke to him a little bit and spoke to different people around the team about where he's been at athletically over the last few months. He told me that he's feeling more athletic than he was before. He's jumping higher. He's feeling stronger. He's now more in tune with his body. I think, and it's going to be challenging because of JLA coming back in, and I don't know how that rotation works. 
But if Hukporty was the starting center for this team throughout the season, I think he can be an all-NBL player. And I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to put up numbers that are ridiculous and absolutely through the roof. But Derek Pardon, who we saw last year, was an all-NBL player. We loved him on this podcast. We raved about him every single game because he did the little things. And I think Hukporty does the same things. He might be a little bit more flashy because he's going to be above the rim. The rim protection is going to be elite. But Pardon averaged 12 points, 8 rebounds, about a block and a half. If you go back to uh, two seasons ago before the injury for Hukporty, he was only playing 15 minutes per game. He was getting over a block, and he was uh, scoring around 8.6 rebounds as well. Those numbers are going to go up, particularly when you're playing with guys that can facilitate Luke Travers, Dallavadova, uh, even Ian Clark. I think Hukporty's in for a massive season, and I think that I don't think it's crazy to say that he could be in the mix for Defensive Player of the Year and All-NBL by the time it's said and done. I think what you just said there is key. Having all of these creators around him, whether it's Dallavadova, Shea Ely, Luke Travers, uh, Ian Clark, when he goes in his little creation spurts, um, Tanner Krebs can do a little bit, Chris Golding can do it. Having sort of a complementary type big as opposed to a big like JLA, Joe Lualajul, who you have to sort of throw it into, right? Things can sort of stagnate with him to an extent. Uh, that's not necessarily the case with Huck Bordy. He's going to be he's going to be the guy who sprints hard to screens, who rolls really really hard, uh, who just who just plays straight up D and runs the floor, runs rim to rim. There's a, there's a good argument that that kind of center is more conducive to the lineup that this team is going to play to the point where, and again, we're probably I'm probably overthinking this. But just JLA, just you just have him come off the bench. He he came as in that was the role he played when United won a championship, and he was elite at that role because you can sort of just let him run, right? Just let him be a gunner, just throw it to him, let him do his thing. I I I wonder if they'd consider it. Uh, they they wanted JLA to come in and be the MVP this year. That's how they try to build this team. Mm-hmm. But he's going to miss enough time that he might not even be in consideration. At what point do you focus on sort of the the team and I don't know. You'd have to consider it if United starts out strong, which they very well could because at the Blitz, they look like one of the most organized teams out there already. I think that's going to be the question because you don't have it to start the season. What happens if Hook Porty is going absolutely crazy when JLA comes in? you got to play uh, Joe Lawala Chul. We understand that. But that's going to be uh, probably a good problem for Dean Vickerman to have when they get to that point. Compared to last season, yeah. Well, that's right. At, at least this year, they have some stability going into the blitz. And I want to move on from Melbourne United, but just quickly, you wrote about Matthew Dallavadova. He was looking very damn good. And all the words out of Melbourne United is about how ripped this man is, the yeah. shape that he's in. Uh, you know, We spoke to him a few weeks ago. I spoke to him a few weeks ago, and he was highly, highly motivated for what's to come. Uh, fun to see, particularly on the back of you know, the FIBA World Cup where he wasn't there. He certainly doesn't look like he's... Uh, looking to waste any time this season. No, I have other NBL players asking me, like, hey, how long do you reckon it lasts? Like, how long How long is this a thing? And I'm like, like as long as he wants it to. Uh, that, that's what it looks like. He, the, the way he was playing, the intent he was playing with, was almost like, it was almost funny. To the, to the point where, like, of course, like, he's an NBA guy. Like, of course he can do stuff like this. He's just never, we've just never seen it before. He just never had, I don't think he's ever had in his career the opportunity to do something like this. That first thing with Mobile United, he was coming off an injury. He was never really 100%. It seems, it seems like he's in the best physical shape he can be. He is healthy. Uh, and he's just coming off screens and like one twoing mm. into threes, which I've never seen. Usually Deadly comes off an on ball and does like a little, like, like, oh, like a little, like hop step into his three. Now he's like one twoing into these. 
I've never seen him lean into scoring offensively than we did at the Blitz. Um, I think it surprised Dean Vickerman. Um, and I think it's that was weird. when this team was built, it was built with the idea of Shea Ely and Matthew Delvadova being the starting backcourt. That was the idea. I think that's way more conducive now that Delhi looks like this. Um, and Shea Ely is also playing like the best basketball of his career as well. Um, the fact that they're scoring the ball the way they are, and it's not just like two defenders who can sort of create a little bit, I think that puts United in an even better place than I think most people would have had them. Yeah, and I think they do need him and, and the shooting as well, just because of some of the other guys yeah. that, that might be in that lineup. So we'll see on Thursday night how soon we get the first Dally Heat check because he was definitely taking some shots that you're not used to seeing. He was very uh, valuable for Melbourne United uh, two seasons ago. Last year, they didn't have Shea Ely. Now they've got that 40 minutes of absolute elite backcourt defense back again. I think Melbourne United was obviously looking fantastic throughout the blitz. What about teams that maybe weren't looking so good? And you spoke about the parity of this league. And if, if I really had to right now, if there's one team that I look at and say, geez, they seem a little bit off the mark. And it's very obvious it's low-hanging fruit. It would be the Adelaide 36ers. Now, yeah. a counter they might say for you is, hey, we won the preseason blitz the last two years, and what did that do for us? It didn't do anything. So maybe they're just trying an alternate method, but yeah, particularly that game against the Perth Wildcats. I mean, it was brutal at times. It was bad. It was to, to the point where uh, there was a possession where I think it was Jamal Franklin got called for a travel, and it was like a dubious travel. He sort of like shuffled his feet a little bit. And you just had sort of like NBA scouts on the baseline just yelling like mercy, mm. <laughs> literally yelling like, just let him have like a bunch of like five steps. It's fine. Uh, that was bad, and it's just they, their teething just wasn't great because they were trying to incorporate these imports, and someone like Jamal Franklin, they knew earlier in the preseason that he just wasn't going to be up to it, and he wasn't. And so they got they cut rope real quick. They also had to try and make Trenton Flowers, a wing who's not a point guard, a point guard. Um, that was like a, a, a silly experiment to try to be part of. You just it was just it was just never going to work. Um, this kid came in thinking he was going to be Josh Giddy and take over the league and that the league was going to be light work. That's just not what the NBL is. It, the physicality is a different level. The league is at a different level than what this kid experienced in high school and college. And so that was never going to work. They have abandoned that, thankfully. Um, but now it's just about putting the pieces together. I'm I'm not as low on Adelaide if they make the right move now than some others might be. There are some. There are still some issues. I think. I don't think they have the talent to compete with some of the other teams in the league. Uh, we have to see what CJ Bruton is like as a coach for this group. Defensively, they haven't had, had an identity for ages, and so I don't know if I trust what they're going to do. Uh, but if they go and get an elite point guard, which is what CJ Bruton wants, it seems like there's some sort of money there to go get one. Like an elite point guard with Mitch McCarron, Trey Kell, Jacob Wiley, and Isaac Humphries is not a bad lineup. That is, that is at the very least, balanced. And then off the bench, if you have Jason Kadee, Sunday Detch, Kyron Galloway, uh, you know, Alex Starling, Nick Marshall, there are some pieces there and it's somewhat balanced at the very least. They just didn't look settled again. And, and that's the only thing that, that bothers me looking at Adelaide. When you think about last year, and obviously there was a lot of hype for they beat the Phoenix Suns, but... They were never comfortable throughout the season in terms of who are the guys in the rotation? Are we making a change? When are we cutting Craig Randall? And it just always seemed like there was something. Maybe the fact they've made the move immediately and they're not wasting any time, that could potentially help them. Uh, with Trent Flowers as well, I know whether it didn't look great with some of the communication and then obviously he didn't play all that well. 
I don't, I'm not bothered by that. I, I thought that he looked decent he when looked he went fine. to the wing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. When they made him a backup wing, he yeah. looks so fine. Yeah. He's, he can play at this level. Uh, how much he can play and how much he can actually make an impact is a different question. But he can play. When you look at some of the other guys, look at like an AJ Johnson in Illawarra, I don't know if AJ Johnson can play at this level yet. Right? So that's like, that's the difference. Trenton Flowers put in the right situation is not a, a complete net negative. He's going to go out there and do something. And I, and I think if he thought that I can just walk in and be a point guard, maybe it's also a nice early teaching moment for everyone involved. So the fact that it happened in the Blitz, I'm not too fast. I'm not down on the idea that they tried it. It didn't work. And then I think it's good that they quickly switched it up and said, all right, this was not something that was going to move forward. And they can, they can fill out the roster that way. Yeah. One more thing that happened with Trenton Flowers was that they uh, moved his dad from uh, courts. So the first game, uh, Travis Flowers, Trenton's dad, was sitting courtside center, and he was very sort of emotive, very animated. Uh, he was sort of yelling at at people and at CJ Bruton and at Trenton, mm. and it wasn't ideal. That is not an that is not uh, an environment that is conducive to this kid succeeding at a professional level. And so for the next game, Travis Flowers was seated somewhere up in the grandstand, and he didn't make too much of of, of noise. Right, he was okay after that, and I think that's a part of it too. Putting this kid in just a reasonable situation to succeed, not putting the pressure on him, uh, not trying to, not sort of breathing into the hype, right? Just let him learn how to be a pro. And I feel like if they do that, if they lean into that sort of sentiment, then things can maybe be okay. If they lean into him as a backup wing, that is great. If they lean into him as anything more than that, then you're setting him up to fail. Yeah, plenty of learning, I'm sure. Uh, first professional environment. So hopefully that works out. And I'm sure CJ Bruton would like a a smooth run at this through the start of the season just as well with everything run, that's going on. Just any smooth run. Craig Randall was bad enough. It, we've already, it's, <laughs> the season hasn't started yet. They've already cut someone. Yeah, he, he just wants a run at this. So we'll see with the Adelaide 36ers generally. I agree, some talent on the roster, but a messier start than they probably would have liked and compared to the rest of the teams in the league. Uh, any concern about the Sydney Kings? Oh, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I do believe that speak you had them... Not on air. Uh, you had the Sydney <laughs> Kings as your uh, title winner this year, I believe. Uh, me too. If if someone asked me, I would say that the Sydney Kings, based on I like the fact that they've brought the whole bench back. Mm-hmm. Those bench guys were guys that were playing in big moments in the fourth quarter last year in the postseason. So there was a lot of trust there. And also they've just brought in a couple of imports that are very familiar with the league, whether it's Jalen Adams, DJ Hogue, who we didn't see at the Blitz. But they didn't look totally sharp. Any concerns with the Sydney Kings? Uh, some concerns, not nothing, nothing that I'm gonna kind of make conclusions about though. Um, I wouldn't, I would never do that based on a blitz. Um, some of the indicators like weren't amazing. I think that this, the lack of size is somewhat of an issue. Um, I'm interested to see Denzel Valentine's growth in this league, uh, whether he's the sort of import that can succeed here. Um, and and then they were just trying about trying a bunch of different lineups that I just didn't agree with. I don't know if they agree with it either. They were sort of just like throwing stuff out there, seeing what works. Um, I'm intrigued to see how Mahmoud Abdel Fattah uh, grows in the NBL uh, when it comes to the sets, the sorts of sets that he runs, uh, the, the creativity of the sets he runs. Because I thought a lot of the stuff they they ran was really uncreative. It was just really simple. It's the stuff that NBL, a, a, an organized NBL team, can guard guard those sets pretty easily. Um, and then it's also, they didn't have Jalen Adams for a lot of that. DJ Hogue didn't play in the Blitz. Uh, Jonah Bolden is still sort of coming into his own, and they lent in they lent a lot into Alex Tui, Jalen Galloway. Um, 
which they have to do, and that that might mean that there are some lumps early on, but leaning into those guys now and trusting in the impact that they'll make for you now probably puts you in better stead toward the end of the season. Um, you, you trust that the ceiling of that Sydney Kings team may lean a lot on the ceiling of those two guys. I thought Galloway last year in the limited minutes that he got, I mean, clearly highly, highly talented. He looked really good, and he did look like a guy that Jace Buford did trust to play, but it was just a, a minutes crunch with guys in the rotation. He put on just a, a dunk contest display uh, against zero defense in the blitz, which was very, very fun to watch, I'll say that. I'm not sure how much that's going to carry through to the season, but if you're a Sydney Kings fan, with all the veteran players that you've got, the names that you know, Alex Tui and then Galloway, as you pointed to, two legit young guys that have a high, high ceiling. And I think, again, it's just fun for, for the entire league. Now, whether those guys when push comes to shove, can really force their way in and be 15-minute a guy nights will be fascinating. Yeah, whether they can make a championship impact is like the big question. That's like the that's the expectation for this team. And so whether they can make that level of impact is a question. They can clearly impact the M- an NBL game. Uh, whether they can do it at that level and with that sort of like scrutiny and with that level of urgency, we'll have to wait and see. I, I trust that they can. We saw the way Jalen Galloway guarded in the grand final last postseason – uh, we've already seen glimpses of him defensively this season too, uh, this preseason. Uh, I think that'll be sort of his calling card going forward. And Alex Tui is just unbelievably skilled. Yeah. Uh, he is huge. He is skilled. I think the shot is real. Um, and I I imagine they're going to continue leaning into that shot. It's clearly the way Abdel Fattah wants to play. Do you remember how many uh, three-point attempts the Kings averaged last season, like in like game by game, roughly? Three-point attempts for the Sydney Kings? Roughly around 20-ish. Right? Like 22, I think. Pretty low. Uh, in their first Blitz game, uh, they shot over 23-pointers in the first half. Mm. This is a different team. They're going to run in the same way. Uh, I don't think they guard the same. I don't think the defensive pieces are there. And so we'll see how that translates, right? They still want to run, but if you can't get stops, you can't run properly. Um, but they're going to shoot a lot more. There's going to be a lot more outside shooting. That's different from last season. So I think... That's a lot of you have to lean into Alex Tui a lot there and lean into Jalen Galloway and some of those bench guys, Angus Glover. They won't have as many options as they did offensively when you talk about what they can do in half court sets as they did last year because when you had a guy playing the four or the five that can literally run the offense, it changes mm-hmm. the dynamics a little bit. This is the first time when you think about the Kings over the course of their title runs. I say this carefully for DJ Vasevich, but this time you've got Denzel Valentine. And Jalen Adams, two guys that are they're probably both going to want the ball. How does that work? And with DJ last year, he would probably argue, and I wouldn't say it was wrong. Like He could have had the ball in his hands more than he did for the Sydney Kings, but he was also a guy that worked off the ball so well because of the shot that he had. So I think that they'll take some time to ease into the season. I don't think it's going to be as dominant as it was to start the season last year where they really always looked like the team to beat. Mm. That might not be the case this year, but... I think Sydney, with the the high-level talent they have, are still going to be one of the must-watch teams in the league. I'll say this. They're going to miss DJ Hogue for a few weeks yes. to start the season. He has a shoulder injury. Uh, he will not be playing for the first few games of their season, right? So that could contribute to them maybe going through some lumps. I think just them figuring out who they are, how they want to play. Might be Del- good for Jonah Boulder to, to really work his way into, Honestly, throw into him playing in, basketball. Yeah, throw yeah. him into the deep end and just get a ton of reps, right? Um, a lot of what this team does offensively goes through the bigs, goes through Jordy Hunter, goes through Jonah Bolden. 
Uh, it would have been awesome to see Xavier Cooks in this sort of system, sort of creating from the top. Um, and so a lot of pressure is going to be on those guys to, to create and to sort of drive the offense, especially when this team's not running. Um, the other thing is you, you mentioned the sort of maybe push and pull between Jalen Adams and Denzel Valentine from like a creation standpoint and ball carrying. I think we saw during this split that this team doesn't want Denzel Valentine ball carrying for any significant significant period of time. Um, that is just not his strong suit. As long as this team uh, lives on whether Jalen Adams can stay healthy, if they don't that they don't have the sort of point guard depth or the ball carrying depth to deal with a Jalen Adams injury, because we saw during the splits that Denzel Valentine is just not him ball carrying at any for, for any considerable amount of time is just not conducive to winning basketball. Great yep. off the ball, great off the ball, great shooter, can get streaky, can really score it, but not ball handling. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And then, of course, they'll bring the guys off the bench that have, have been big for them in Bruce and Glover Sean and Bruce, all those guys. So I still think they're in a really good spot. Uh, this, I'm not going to ask you this because this is a totally unfair question, but if Do it. if I just look through, well, if, if, <laughs> if, I, if <laughs> I look through the lineup data for the NBL Blitz, which team do you think played... Uh, the most common five-man lineup. And it's still a very small sample size, which is why we're not going into too many numbers here because, quite honestly, you play three games, there's no point in looking at any of the numbers. It's more basically what you see uh, watching the game for me. But which team do you think played a five-man unit the most possessions? Uh, did did the Jack Jumpers play uh, like Crawford, Doyle, Drimmick, McVeigh, and Krislovich? Marcus Lee, and Marcus and, Lee. and that's who I want to talk about because did I nail that almost? Yeah, you you that's you're good. right with Tazzy. You just had uh, Krizlovich instead of uh, Marcus Lee. I think he is going to be one of the underrated signings for the league. We spoke about big men already. We had many conversations last year with Melbourne United, and this was a lot because of it, it, Isaac Humphrey's not being healthy and just the the weird lineups that Melbourne United had to go through last year. But I thought he was incredibly impactful. And this has probably been the one thing that if you looked at Tassie, yes, they could probably have another creator on, on the perimeter that would help, but they look like they've got that with Crawford and also uh, Milton Doyle there along with Jack McVeigh. But I think Marcus Lee, as a guy that they really haven't had anyone that can play above the rim, that can protect the rim, that can throw down lobs, that is athletic and will run up and down the floor, a big factor on the offensive glass. I think this is one of the more underrated signings of the offseason. I mean, he was what what the Jack Jumpers wanted Will Magnate to be. This entire time, but injuries That's have, right. have yeah. just Terrible. forced Magnate to the sideline, um, and it probably will again for for some amount of time this season too. Um, yeah, Marcus Lee is going to be really good for this team. Uh, he would be good for any team. He's just a plug and play big. Yep. Uh, and with the sort of, I, I like the balance of it, right? You, I think there are, there are still question marks on how good Jordan Crawford is, mm-hmm. uh, and I think we'll hear a lot of that throughout the season. It's not just because of his height. I think it's the skill set. Uh, I'm intrigued to see how it works next to Milton Doyle, um, but we saw in that blitz game against the 36ers, Milton Doyle is just a closer and a mm. half. He is just, he's the, the best closer I've seen. I was sitting next to someone uh, at the blitz watching that game, watching him close, and he com- and this person compared him to Ebi Ara, mm. uh, former NBL import. And so, you know, obviously the raps on Milton Doyle, we are well aware of. He's all NBL first team guy and could very well do that again. Uh, but then it's Drimmick who... Again, the shot the shot didn't really fall in the blitz, but if the shot falls, the balance works there. McVeigh is looking like he's about to go to another level. I chatted with McVeigh earlier in the blitz. He said, I feel like an import out there. That's exactly what this team needs him to be. Um, and then Marcus Lee sort of rounds it out. You have the scoring from all these pe- from all these pieces down that lineup. Marcus Lee comes in, 
rim runner, playing above the rim, protecting the rim. If he can stay on the floor, which is obviously a huge part of this, not fouling, um, then I think he could be really good for this team. Uh, I'm I'm curious at what people think about sort of the, the the ceiling of this team. I don't know if they have the talent to get over the line. If Jordan Crawford is out there looking like prime Jerome Randall, then maybe we have a conversation. <laughs> but if he's not, then I think the floor of this this team is really high. I think they have the depth. I think those guys are really cool. The balance is there. They were one of the more well organized teams at the Blitz. I don't I, big shock. Yeah, right? <laughs> like them, Melbourne, just like clearly just like well, a well-oiled machine out there. Uh, the ceiling, I think, is low. Uh, or at least not that high because I don't know if there's enough sort of elite talent on that team. I'm glad you said that because I was just about to say I don't know what Tasmania fans are going to do with themselves this year because now people think that they're going to be good. They're uh-huh. not used to being in this situation. They like to get on social media and complain that they're not getting enough attention. I think this is a really good team. Uh, I think they're more talented this year individually than they've been in the last two mm-hmm. and they nearly got there so to me they have to be a team that you assume is going to be in the mix towards the back end of the season and i'm uh maybe i've just learned from my mistakes but i'm higher on them than i was in the last two seasons uh but you mentioned crawford you mentioned uh, jackson cartwright as well which reminded me of one of my favorites hmm. uh, little Kiefer sykes who uh, I, sykes. who i actually saw a couple of days ago it looks like he signed a, a training camp deal with the with the yeah. nets and looks like he's going to play with the long island nets a uh, great guy and a highly entertaining basketballer. Return of the little fellas in the NBL, uh, but that doesn't really uh, have anything to do with what I want to get to here. <laughs> but we haven't spoke about the Phoenix, the team that's going to be in the throwdown on Thursday night. It was interesting listening to a lot of the broadcast. Uh, it did a great job, obviously, uh, everyone that was involved there. But yeah, with the Phoenix, there's still a lot of talk about, well, the defense needs to be better. It wasn't where uh, it, it should have been or where they would have liked to have been last year in defensive uh, rating, they were sixth. Historically, that's not going to get it done. No. Um, but more than anything, they just need to be healthy. This is a team that just has not been able to stay healthy. Simon Mitchell at home, if he's listening to this, I know he used to get frustrated with the defense, and he had a point. They didn't have the depth last year. Part of that was because they were decimated by injuries. But when they went to, to the deep bench, I don't think that they were able to withstand uh, the opposition offense. And I thought defensively, they struggled. That's certainly what the numbers uh, painted the picture as as well for a, a bit of support there. So I think this year, this is actually a pretty deep roster. This Phoenix team looks a little bit different. And again, Mitch Creek, we didn't see him. Another one of those teams that w- weren't at full strength. Yeah. Uh, and Big Source, of course. Yeah. So Big Source didn't play. He was obviously replaced by Tyler Cook, who went and won the MVP of the Blitz. Uh, the, the overarching question that everyone was asking at the Blitz was, uh, is there a way for them to keep Tyler Cook? Uh, the answer is no, they can't keep him. Alan Williams is signed for two seasons. Tyler Cook is going to Europe once Alan Williams comes back from his injury. So uh, just quickly, so yeah. good reporting there for sure, the fact that, and Thank you me. understand there might be some some money on the table there. But but why if you're an Alan one? what about an Alan team? The, the issue with that is that there's just no other team that needs like an import big right now mm. or has that spot oh. open. Just hang around a few weeks. We'll see. Who knows? That's what, but that's my point. If you get to mm. the one-month mark of the regular season, big source is coming back. We know he's a dominant force in this league. We can't wait to see him, uh, even though he looks like he's starting a rival podcast and we're not sure how to feel about <laughs> that. We brought him in here. We podcasted with him. You really just learned he's the ropes out. in here. You don't hear from big source anymore. I don't know what's going on. He looks like he's found out what coffee he wants to drink, though, which we appreciate. True. But he's going to come back and he's going to be a dominant force. But Tyler Cook, so you know, maybe in a month, is there any 
way that this is a, a possibility. Uh, that he stays with Southeast or stays in the NBA? In the league. Uh, it's not out of the question. Yeah. I think the, the money would be pretty significant. Um, and I think the his people sort of already have his his sort of future planned out. Yeah. On that the, the fact that he will go to Europe once once he's done here, um, I, I don't think it would happen. I wouldn't take it off the table. Yeah. Uh, it's probably not going to happen. Um, it's it's going to be weird though because the the thing that everyone spoke about was Tyler Cook is just a really good fit on this Southeast team next to Mitch Creek. Mm. Right. If you have Mitch Creek, who's this sort of like inside out. You know, four three type of guy uh, who can also post up a little bit. You 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 want to have sort of like this rim running power big man next to him. Uh, Alan Williams is an is a great player in his own right, but the people question the fit. Or like, is it? Would you do you want to post up dudes next to each other, sort of thing, right? And people can agree and disagree with the fit argument, but it's just it's it's what a lot of people were talking about. Too many people were talking about that. Um, as for this Phoenix team, I, I think I disagree with you on the the depth of this group. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued to see how it all pans out. If we see Ruben Tarangi continue to play the way he's playing, going from FIBA Tarangi to hmm. the way he played at the Blitz, then sure, there is an argument there. Um, Mike Kelly wants this to be a super defensive-focused team, and we'll see if they can sort of execute that. Uh, but the depth is still something that I have questions about, uh, especially because it already seems like they're going through that same trend of like niggles, little injuries here and there, and it's just it's just the worst, and it's just the worst luck for Tommy Greer. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see how how this depth looks because the early returns so far, like Matt Kenyon hasn't played basketball this preseason yet because he's been injured. Uh, I'm I'm just curious to see how it all looks out there because I'm I'm still I got question marks about it. Yeah, I like the depth, so we'll see. But again, depth only. It really looks great if you haven't got guys that are sort suited to bench roles yeah. starting because the, the the starting five is decimated. So we'll see what happens with the Phoenix, but uh, I'm pretty damn excited for Thursday night mm-hmm. at John Kane Arena. Of course, you watch the game on ESPN, the only place to watch the game. In fact, that's where you want to be uh, catching all your NBL action this season, but it's a great way to start. Uh, certainly people in Melbourne, day off work the next day, stay up late, watch the hoops. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, what teams haven't we gone through? We haven't gone through Brisbane or Cairns. So if we we hit on those two, not no anti Queensland bias here. By the way, <laughs> what are we're you just doing? we're just rolling through the conversation. We uh, love Queensland. I was just I was just there. I, I stayed near South Bank. It was terrific. I'm annoyed. In I, I didn't go to the Blitz, so I'm now anything Queensland. I'm against it. <laughs> Collingwood are going to win the grand final by seven billion. No, actually, I don't really. I'm I'm not strongly tied to the grand final. I don't want to. I uh, don't want to. Want to put in. Yeah, we don't want to start talking about footy. We don't want to. No, uh, nothing. We don't want to do that. But if you do want to, you can listen to the Footy Tips podcast. ESPN mm. uh, put out a, a great production every week as well. Uh, let's go with Cairns though, because they've now got a formula that sort of happened over the last two years. And at the start of last season, speaking with Adam Ford, he said, "Look, I got control of the guys I want on the roster now, and there is an unbelievable talent pool of guys that have been over in college. Let's bring them back." And let's get some of the the, uh, the talented players that can come to the NBL and contribute straight away. The Cairns Taipans, perhaps a little bit different to some of these other franchises, can openly offer, hey, you can either start or you can come off the bench and play major minutes. It was a huge success last year. And it was really a huge success last year because of the buy-in to what Adam Ford was trying to do. Defensively, this team was awesome last year. I, I'm They're a team that I'm very curious about because... You go in for a second year, you've got a bunch of new players. How does it work the second year round? It feels like the type of strategy where there's going to be a lot of variance, but 
to this point in time, you have to give a, a big tick to Adam Ford. Yeah, the style of play is going to be fun because everyone on that roster is big. Everyone can run. Uh, everyone can seemingly pass as well. Uh, you know, the ball will be in Taron Armstrong's hands, and he's oh, just I mean, he's, how, how fun is this guy? He's just creative as hell, right? And obviously, there are question marks from an NBA standpoint and in what he does. But at this level, his ability not just to make the passes, but to create the advantages and then make those passes is really cool. Um, and then just the the way they're going to play is just going to be fun. Bobby Clintman looks like a lot of fun. Um, they've got this this two big lineup that has Sam Wallenberg and Sam Menenga, and you got these guys setting on balls for each other. Um, you got these guys sort of back cutting for one another, working off each other. I had one NBA NBA scout tell me Sam Menenga looked like Sabonis Light, right? A poor man's Sabonis. Well, Demonte Sabonis. Um, and so you got these two skilled bigs, both of whom can stretch it. Pat Miller can come off the bench and sort of give you that scoring punch. I, I we we question the the youth of the team a lot. I question sort of just the volume of the the sort of production you're going to get from a lot of these guys because last season, you know, you got you have Bullcoil back, right? And that's huge. But Keanu Pinder was playing at an MVP level. DJ Hogue was basically play, playing at an MVP yeah. level. Are they going to have two MVP level guys on this team? Probably not, right? The, the hope is that Sam Menenga goes into that Sam Wardenberg role. Sam Wardenberg goes up into that Keanu Pinder role. Whether they can actually play up to those roles is like my big question. Uh, but at the very least, I think they're going to be really dynamic. They're going to be hard to guard. Um, it's just going to be sort of like funky out there. And and I try to I, I wrote about this. I try to mean it in like not a sort of derisive or patronizing way. They are a fun team. Mm. Um, and it's not just because, oh, like they're really young and like it's, they're going to play a fun style. No, I think the way they're going to play is just going to be super interesting. Proper, proper positionless basketball. Number two on defense last year, number eight on offense, which still maybe catches a few people by surprise because they were playing high octane and it seemed like they were a team that could that could really explode offensively. But that's where they'll look for improvement this year. Uh, the Brisbane Bullets. Uh, actually, just quickly, one last question uh, with the Cairns. You, just, you just hate going to any Queensland thing. Anything to... To Hugh McCall. The big question for him is whether he's going to stay playing or he's going to stick in the commentary booth or he's going to move to coaching now. You talk about versatility. He had a very busy blitz, but he's going to be a leader for this team. The Brisbane Bullets, speaking of teams that have something that they didn't have last year, continuity and seemingly from the outside, a little bit more health. So when you look at Nathan Sobey, obviously Aaron Baines had a, a monster finish to the blitz. <laughs> just a 2020 just, game. Just huge numbers, which was really fun to see. So this is a, a Brisbane Bullets team uh, last year that, I mean, I forecasted coming in. It, was, it wasn't. I'm not claiming it. We all discussed it. I mean, they came into the season not in a position to be competitive based off guys that just hadn't played any basketball over the previous two years. I think Shannon Scott is an excellent addition. I thought he was very important to the Cairns Taipans, as we just discussed uh, last year. So uh, along with some some talented young players as well. This Bullets team looks like, I don't know whether they look like a team that can win the title, but they look like a team that is going to be uh, stable, well-prepared, and guys that are yeah. going to keep this team very competitive. Yeah, they're going to be in and amongst it. Yep, I, think, I agree. And, and I don't know if that's like the consensus opinion, uh, but I think they're going, to keep, they're going to be competitive every game. Um, I think they have like this defensive identity, which they'll, which they'll lean into, and, and that'll be sort of the crux of what they do. Uh, but I think the key to them is, firstly, if those top two dudes can stay locked in, hmm. if Aaron Baines and Nathan Sobey can stay locked in, no. then this team has a chance to do something really interesting. Um, but I think what this team's going to lean on, and I think the way their floor is going to rise, is because of their depth. 
Um, and it's it's because you have Shannon Scott running this first unit, and Chris Smith it looks like a really quality import. Yep. He can really shoot the ball. But then you have Mitch Norton coming off the bench. And so all of a sudden you have every lineup you throw out there is organized because you have two really quality, stable floor generals out there. Um, and then if they defend like what we think they can and the way Justin Shuler wants them to, then you can get that scoring punch from whether it's Nathan Sobey or Chris Smith or Isaac White. Um, we even saw from Sam McDaniel as well. And so this team is 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 deep. I think we're going to see a breakout year from Tyrell Harrison. Mm. Uh, just his touch, I, I think he's sort of primed for that. Um, I don't know how much of Rocco Zakarski we're going to see, but the glimpses we'll see will be a lot of fun. Um, but there is some there is some talent here. I think there are some hungry guys on this team. When Josh Bannon is back and healthy, I think he's someone who can come in and pitch in and, and, and make an impact too. There's a, the depth is really cool on this team, and I think that's the thing that's going to sort of lift them through a lot of games and keep them competitive through every game. Well, it does start Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. is the tip-off Melbourne and South East Melbourne uh, Phoenix there on ESPN, of course. Uh, I'm ready to get stuck into it. It seems like it's kind of snuck up pretty quickly on the back of the World Cup, but I look, we're going to catch up weekly. We'll continue this podcast throughout the season, and I, I think maybe I'm a little bit too cautious. I like to just see a few rounds into the season, see how things start to shake out, get these new imports in the league, but I thought it was an unbelievable start to the Blitz, and it'll start to work itself out, but at the moment, and you wrote about it again in your story, everyone should check out the observations from the Blitz on ESPN.com.au, that it just feels like parity and the teams that can be in the mix for this playing tournament... When they brought it in last year, I was one of the people that saying, this typically doesn't work out. You're not going to have six, seven, eight teams that are in the mix. I was wrong last year. I can't imagine that it's going to change this year. I think it's going to be the same thing. I think the battle for that top six is going to be elite, and I I can't wait for it to get started. Yeah, the top-tier talent is unreal. The talent across the board is is amazing this season. This has the potential to be, and the next stars, right? They're going to, there'll be some ups and downs, but... They're going to be just interesting narratives to follow the entire time. Uh, it, it's this season should be as close as ever. I can't pick my out and out favorite. Uh, and if you ask anyone around the Blitz, they'll tell you there are no bad teams. Adelaide is the one sort of like blip in that, but it's very rare you go into a season where there are practically no bad teams. Outstanding stuff from you as usual, Olga Norwich. Make sure you're following this man on all the social platforms and uh, keep Follow it locked on. Uh, you can if you want. And uh, keep it uh, locked on ESPN.com.au for all your basketball news because it's not just the NBL. The NBA is right around the corner. WNBA playoffs right now as well. A few Aussies getting the job done over there. Uh, so there is plenty of basketball news to keep up to date with. This is the ESPN Aussie Hoops Hour. We'll be back weekly. The only way to know when the episodes drop is subscribe. Uh, give us a rating and a review and do all those nice things as well. We don't typically ask for that, but why not? It's the start of a new season. Let's start things on a positive note uh, for Kane Pittman and Olga Nulich. Enjoy round one. We'll speak to you next week.